Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the seventh chapter and the beginning of the eighth. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose, the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears, dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is given loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Chusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> to begin with, I'm impressed with Simon the Pharisee in this Gospel story. 
while others in his leadership circle were seeking to thwart Jesus or even put his life to an end, Simon invites Jesus into his home for dinner. Normally, this is the kind of bold move that we see Jesus making in the Gospels. Normally, Jesus is the one crossing boundaries and showing hospitality in unexpected ways. But now, it is Simon who is doing this. Simon who is breaking the mold. Now, it's this Pharisee who seems to be breaking open the possibility of new community where all, all are welcome at the table. But then things take a sharp turn when a woman comes into the room, a woman identified as a sinner. Apparently, Simon is willing to stretch the limits of all of this when it comes to men who appear righteous to him. But his heart and mind go to a different place when a woman identified here as a sinner breaks into their little gathering. At one level, we can diminish the significance of her gender and say that Simon's problem with this uninvited guest was solely related to her identity as a sinner. We can say that it was all about the purity laws that he was bound to, the sharp distinctions that were made between clean and unclean people. Having heard that argument, I could say that there's probably some truth in that, but we do not have what Martin Luther King Jr. called the unvarnished truth until we acknowledge the systemic sexism that permeated all levels of social and religious life. If there is sin to be truly named here, it is the sin that excluded women from all tables of power and privilege. It's the sin that bound women to the lie that they were inferior. The sin that they were told they didn't deserve to be at any table of power, didn't deserve to be a part of all levels of social and political and religious life. And it's the sin that turned women into slaves of men's sexual desires and gave men the freedom to act however they pleased. Now, thankfully, all of that systemic sexism has been eliminated in our open and progressive <laughs> society, hasn't it? After all, we have a woman at the top of a major party's presidential ticket going into the national election. But beside that story of achievement, in nearly all major newspapers this past week was yet another troubling story of sexual assault on a college campus where many women again blame a female victim for the violence done to her. In truth, putting a woman at the top of the presidential ticket is a milestone, but it does not signal the end of systemic sexism in our country any more than electing an African-American president signaled the end of systemic racism. The power and the privilege that I have, still have, as a white male may be slightly diminished, but it still works like a charm at every level of life in these United States. And when I fail to understand and acknowledge that, 
I join all of those who live in the sin of complacency and of denial. But what does it look like when things really do change? In our gospel story today, Jesus points us to the answer when he sees it lived out right before him. Do you see this woman? He says to Simon. I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. It's quite astonishing to all of them, and it moves Jesus to see her for who she truly is, a person of great faith who has been set free from her own sin and from the sin of a community that kept her and countless others in their place. With Jesus' help, we see that this woman is not groveling for his approval. Instead, she is celebrating the free gift that has changed her life, that's given her an identity far beyond that of sinner, an identity that's reinforced when Jesus says to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In her commentary on this text, Caroline Lewis of Luther Seminary says, this woman's decision to go to Simon's house, her determination to enter where she was not wanted or welcome, her desire to be like the other women who followed Jesus were all acts of faith. Because faith, you see, is also the belief that you are worthy of salvation. You are worthy to sit at the table. You are worthy of touching and being touched by God. You are worthy of belonging. You are worthy of being called a disciple. That resonates with me, and it brings to mind many gospel stories about courageous and faith-filled women, including the one that comes right after this story of the woman who came to Simon's house. As Jesus went on from there, Luke says, the 12 were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward Chusa, and Susanna, and many others, Luke says, who in fact provided for them out of their resources. Luke's mention of these women may not seem so significant or radical to us, but it is no less significant or rad radical than any news story we might read today about women who are breaking down some historic barriers for the first time. Just the fact that these women were free to travel without the accompaniment of men from their own family, it seems, was remarkable enough. What's even more astonishing, though, is that these women were free to establish their own identity now in this new community, an identity as followers of Jesus. They were free to decide for themselves also how to use their money and their resources. 
They were free to pour out their lives in love like that woman did in Simon's home. When I hear that, I think about the transformation that was taking place not only for those women, but for the men who traveled with them. Now, in their life together, they were all set free from the need to behave according to gender roles prescribed by their culture. It was harder for the men to see this, but in the community around Jesus, they did not have to act conventionally anymore by competing with one another for honor, by retaliating when attacked, or by trying to prove their masculinity. St. Paul said in his letter to the Galatians, as many of you were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. In the verses that follow today's gospel story, Luke doesn't tell us if Simon the Pharisee ever experienced that kind of transformation. But I know that I want to. I know that I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck in some in-between zone where I experience some aspect of equality, but not the feast that is set before me, not all of its wholeness. I don't want just a small bite. I want to experience this kind of freedom that we see described so beautifully in these gospel stories. But what will it take for that to happen? At a very practical level, I know that I have to be taught by people who embody the pedagogical skills of Jesus. I know because I have a lot more in common with Simon that I would like to admit. But I need to have people around me who say, look, do you see what's happening here? Do you see what your actions are perpetuating? Do you see what your inaction is enabling? And like Simon, I need examples of true freedom people who help me appreciate what is possible for all of us. I need to see people who have been set free by Christ to live beyond those forces that hold me back in so many ways. But most of all, I need forgiveness. I need to know that the guilt that I carry with me as a privileged white male does not have to hold me captive. I need to know that Jesus sees me for who I am and loves me. And thankfully, I do hear that liberating word at the very center of this gospel story today. When Jesus turns to that woman and says, your sins are forgiven, I know that he's turning also to me. And I fall again into the love and into the grace of God that will never let me go. May it be the same for each of you as you hear this liberating word of God for your life today. Amen.